0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Al-Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Now, if you're new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We're on every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And you can keep up with us on social media by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Islam USA. And make sure you take a moment to like and follow our Facebook page. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Last thing you need to do is you need to make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast wherever you get it. So if you're on iTunes or TuneIn or Google Play or SoundCloud, you will find us at Radio Islam USA. Right, Can't forget that I keep saying the same thing At Radio Islam USA Now for those of you who may not want to DM or tweet or post on our uh, Facebook wall uh, You can give us a call at 312-750-1178 That's 312-750-1178 Radio Islam family Juma Mubarak Blessed Juma Happy Friday Hope everyone is in the best of spirits Uh, And and just just, just Feeling good Uh, It's been a busy day. Busy, but always productive. And we want to wind down on this Friday. I guess we can say wind down, but we want to wind down this Friday and talk about a few things related towards our young people, towards the future, right? Towards the children. So in this edition of Radio Islam, we're going to talk with an award-winning author, Michael Klaus uh, Schmidt. And we're going to also look at LeBron James's "I Promise" uh, initiative, uh, the the new public school that he has just opened up in partnership with the Cleveland Public School System, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the Hajis, all right? Those who are getting uh, preparing to make the Hajj, the pilgrimage, um, uh, and they're going to be. I know a few kind of a going away parties or celebrations, gatherings that will be taking place over the weekend, and last but not least. We want to talk about some of the, well, a couple of great places uh, to get a bite, right? Uh, weekend, that's things slow down a little bit. And sometimes that's what we find ourselves being able to do, be able to go and grab a bite at one of our fa- favorite places. I'm going to share one of my favorite places uh, with you all. But we're going to do that towards the end of the show. But we're going to start out, as I said, we're going to start out talking with Michael Klaus Schmidt. He is an award-winning artist and illustrator. Inspired by some of the great children's book writers like Dr. Seuss, E.B. White, Maurice Sendak, and others, uh, Michael has written an intricate tale about a salamander's ongoing struggle against tyranny, spanning ten volumes. Uh, do we have you online? Assalamualaikum. All All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking the time to to join us to talk about ten volumes.
1: Well, yes. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh yes, yes. So so. um The Salamander's Struggle. Uh, (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) It's it's actually a very old story that I wrote when I was around five years old. Okay. And we found it in my mom's attic when she was moving. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, I got inspired. I read it, and unfortunately, the ending of this old story was so bad I had to write the whole thing over. Really? So I got inspired. I I started writing back in like 2008. Mm -hmm. I wrote this 10-volume, uh, you know, epic wow. about all the adventures of the salamander, and now recently I just finished writing the sequel. Okay. So this is a new book that okay. I'm working on, and it's, it's pretty much almost done,
0: but... So tell me, uh, I'm sorry, yes. so what what's the salamander's name? Slippy. Slippy, okay. Th- yes. th- that's a good name for a salamander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, uh, And what that, that kind of leads into one of the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Muslim author, I wanted to write something that's, you know, congruent with Islamic teachings. Yes. But as an American, I wanted to write something anybody could read, any of my old friends, you know, new friends, everybody, Muslims, non-Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make something for everyone. So that's sort of my philosophy. I, I do art, I do video games, and I also do these children's books from time to time, and that's sort of my overall philosophy is in what I'm doing. It's something that Muslims can enjoy and appreciate, but it's not specifically about Islam. Right. But
0: right. The,
1: the teachings in it, they, you know, reflect Islamic values.
0: Right, so, so thematically, it's something that people of, of any faith, um, Muslim or, or not, would be able to um, find value in.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Right. I think this is remarkable that this is something that you started uh, at five years old. I mean, even if you did have to go back and retool it, right? You got to be forgiving to yourself. <laughs> you're only you're only five then. <laughs> Little editing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're an artist and illustrator. So you've 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 done the writing as mm-hmm. well as all of the illustration.
1: Yes, and I don't know if this is a strength or a weakness. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I would like to do everything myself, uh-huh. and I don't know why I, I kind of. Maybe I'm a control, you know, freak or whatever (laughs) you want to call me, but I just I like having that creative control, and I enjoy exploring all these different mediums of expression. So I do like video games. Most video games are designed by a team. I you know forget that. I like to do the programming. (laughs) I do the artwork. I do all the different things, and I don't know how effective that is, but I enjoy it. So.
0: Well, I find it, it really interesting, yeah. just with regard to uh, that of course, that's not the norm, right? Most of the time you find yeah. a, uh, you know an, an author they write the book and then they have to find someone to illustrate it and hope that the illustration, the artwork comes up matches what they were intending. So it becomes much Certainly. more of a shared uh, type of experience. Um, I think for you, whatever you produce that that illustration, it's exactly what you had in mind as you were writing so I, I, I think, it's, it seems to me like that's a, a writer's dream to be able to have those th- those skills.
1: you would think so, and, and it does have <laughs> its advantages. In fact, when I started this book, yeah, um, I really just wanted to draw the picture. I just wanted to illustrate, it, and I thought, okay, I have to have something in writing. And I you know sort of made stuff up. Mm-hmm. And as I was writing this stuff, I realized, oh, this is actually a really Interesting way of expressing my ideas is just writing them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I realized this is a whole art form in itself that I never really explored, right. and it's it's tremendous amount of fun to do, and it's a lot of work and it's very frustrating at times, but right. it's it's great. Um, and so I just fell in love with writing, and you know then I then I realized okay I have to draw all these pictures, and that actually became <laughs> sort of a a physical challenge because. Coming up, writing, you know, 10 stories is tremendously difficult. They're not extremely long stories. But illustrating all of those, you know, your hand has a certain limit to how much I can draw in a particular day. And I had this time limit because I had it, you know, I had this uh, book crowdfunded, crowdfunded mm-hmm. uh, back in 2011. Right. And um, I had to finish it within like three months. Mm. And I'm, I'm drawing after drawing after drawing every day. And, wow, that was, that was hard. I had special gloves I was wearing to keep my hand from cramping and stuff. Wow. So it sort of, I don't, I don't want to say it backfired, but I, it was not what I expected. you know.
0: Yeah, as, as my mother would say, it's more than a notion.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That pretty much sums it up.
0: Yeah, well, let me ask this about the, the, the story. Does Slippy have a, a particular nemesis, or is the antagonist more thematic? You know, in terms of so
1: in the original ten stories, there was a nemesis. It was the lizards. Okay, so they invaded Salamander Village and started forcing the salamanders to get to bake for them, and they you know took that baking business and got rich off of it. And it's you know it's a part wow. of the story. So there's definitely a bad guy mm-hmm. in that first story. The second story, the the one I'm working on now, the nemesis is a bit more. Uh, un, an unknown. You don't really meet him until the very end. Mm-hmm. So, it's sort of a sort of a surprise ending, I don't want to. Okay, give that's it great. away.
0: Yeah, let's keep it under wraps. <laughs> keep yeah. it under wraps. Uh and let me ask this, how how do you see children engaging this book? Uh and is there a particular uh, is there a particular age range um for oh, this?
1: Book? excellent question. Thank you for asking that. So, I have six kids of my own. Mhm. And when I wrote these stories, I wanted all of my kids to be able to enjoy them. Uh, so what I did, you know, with the illustrations, the littlest children can enjoy those. Mm-hmm. And I wrote these captions that are in a larger print, so the young kids can kind of read it like a picture book. Right. Uh, they have to skip a few pages sometimes when there's no pictures, but they can get the grasp of the story by just reading these captions. Mm. And then there's a main text which reads a lot more like a chapter book. And so the, you know, 8 to 12-year-olds or so can can enjoy it in that capacity. And and then I even added, you know, a little more details like footnotes and these appendices. You know, a lot of the fantasy writers like J.R.R. Tolkien, who Mm -hmm. I, I grew up enjoying, they have these incredibly intricate worlds, and they have footnotes, and they have you know, appendices, like I said, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I always loved that, you know, <laughs> finding more about that backstory of what's going on in this world that they invented. Yeah. So I added some of those features for the, you know, the fantasy enthusiasts.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I grew up as a big Piers Anthony uh, okay. fan. Yes. And, um, and one of the things that I always loved was going to the front of the book and looking at the map of Xanath. Oh, uh, the maps are the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot so. of
1: maps in my in my stories.
0: Okay, so you you have your crowdfunding right now. Yes. Uh, tell okay, so tell us exactly how that's working out, and 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 what can listeners do to uh, to connect and support, and yeah. Sure.
1: Uh, yeah. So it's on Kickstarter, and it's called "Adventures of the Salamander: Return of the Merms." That's the Title of this sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can reach it either by going to Kickstarter and searching Return of the Merms, and if you do that, you'll see that there was a previously unsuccessful version of this book uh, attempted back in 2014. Okay. Uh, what I did was I basically finished the book now, so I don't have to fund the creation of the book anymore. I'm just looking for people who want it so I can print it. Right. Uh, so it's very, you know, cut down sort of fundraising. Um, and also, you can go to the website, which is adventuresofthesalamander.com, which is all one word. Okay. And you'll see a link right there to the crowdfunding on okay. the upper right corner. Can't miss it.
0: Okay. All right. That sounds good. When well, I've got to ask you before we uh, before we let you get out of here, will you be doing any like public readings? You know. Um, uh, for, the, for, the, for the children. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to say for the children because the, the children, the parents get as much out of it as the children do, right? So certainly. They use their children kind of as, as a ruse, as a way for them to get in. So <laughs> I know I do. Right? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, you know, I, I have been invited to do some of those things. It kind of, at this point, depends on that that campaign being successful. Okay. Otherwise, they won't have any books to, to bring. <laughs> but uh, certainly, it's something I have done in the past. And I hope to do in the future.
0: Okay. All right. So what's the website again?
1: So adventuresofthesalamander.com.
0: Adventuresofthesalamander.com. And the Kickstarter campaign?
1: Yeah. uh, Just look for Adventures of the Salamander or Return of the Moons. And that's M-I-R-M-S.
0: Okay. Michael, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I'm hoping that we can get you actually in studio for for a full session. Um, Okay. You know, because we'd love to go through, uh, through in a little more, little more detail, right? Inshallah. Yeah, Thank yeah. you
1: so much, Charik. Uh, it, appreciate you having me
0: on. Yes, sir. Been a pleasure. All Thanks right, Radio Slam family, um, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, LeBron James. I promise, uh, initiative. So this is Radio Slam. We're on WCV fourteen fifty AM. We'll be back in a moment. Islam The Nation's First Daily Live Call-in Talk Radio Show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market Radio Islam on the air since 2004 because of your generosity Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset you our listener From our producers to our interns we appreciate your support Thank you The Syrian Community Network with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago-area clients from its North Side location located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141 that's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org.
2: Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: Okay, forest animals. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular
2: bird songs for the year? Of course! I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alamine, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember to follow, like our social media pages. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Radio Islam USA. So follow and like all that good stuff. And make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast, okay? So now, if you're on iTunes or TuneIn or Google Play or SoundCloud, you're going to find us. And we're probably in other places too. So wherever you get in your podcast, make sure you are subs- make sure you are subscribing at Radio Islam USA. Okay. Now, um, LeBron James has done something um, that, for a lot of people, that is very much in the very Muhammad Ali esque, in a sense of his the impact of his celebrity going well beyond the realms of his sport right beyond the confines of his sport uh, where it's ha- is having a a transformative effect uh, in society so we're going to have a we're going to have a um, we're going to have a conversation not now not now right this is not the time for it cuz i want to get some more folks involved with this one but we're going to have a conversation When we start talking about the GOAT, right, the greatest of all times, we're talking about basketball, the greatest of all times, right? Now, a lot of folks will argue down. They'll talk about Michael Jordan and six championships, three, you know, two, three peats. Um, But like Ali, he was not the greatest just because he was great in the ring. He was great for the stances he took outside the ring. Now, I know, I know I'm not taking anything away from Michael Jordan's philanthropic um, uh, activities, his endeavors, what he's done, right? He He's donated. He supported things uh, out in the open and behind the scenes. I'm sure like a lot of people of his stature do. But what LeBron has done to me is putting himself in a completely different category where before it's all said and done, I think he is going to be. The greatest of all time, not just because of what he, his phenomenal on ability on the court. Well, you know what? You, you, I'm willing to argue that even on the court, I'm willing to argue just from a from a physical standpoint, from a uh, you know as a player who can play all five positions, um, who has like like unimaginable. We never saw that kind of dexterity in, in a guy six nine and 260 pounds uh, before, who can move the way he does. Um, he's more magic than he is Michael to me, right? But anyway, like I said, that's another argument. Um, You all all hear um, Ibrahim in the background. He says, not on the court, right? But what we're talking about, we're talking about his, I hope, I'm sorry, I promise uh, initiative, right? So he has a partnership uh, with the Cleveland City uh, Public School System. And he has done something that, on a lot of levels is transformative, uh, that's building on existing uh successes, and he is introducing some new some new um some some new things, adding some wrinkles that are going to that are going to ensure the success, you know, inshallah, God willing. But before we before we highlight those things, let's take a let's take a listen to uh the opening, right? His opening remarks at the, um, uh, for, for the school. So we want to take a quick listen to that.
3: So I kind of just speak from the heart. I've always found that to be a lot better and, and quite just, you know, just true. So, so here we go. Um, as a kid from uh, Akron, Ohio myself, um, I remember walking these same streets. I remember walking North Street, West Market, I remember walking behind here on Crosby, going to Harris Elementary, uh, riding my bike throughout the rest of the city. Um, so when people ask me why why a school, um, that's part of the reason why, because I know exactly what these 240 kids are going through. Um, I know the streets that they walk, I know the trials and tribulations that they go through, I know the ups, the downs, I know everything um, that they dream about. I know all the nightmares that they have because, uh, because I've been there. Um, I know exactly what they're going through. So you know, they're the reason why this school um, is here today. Um, and yeah, there you go. <laughs> say it again. There you go, testimony. We're gonna turn this Monday into a Sunday soon. You're gonna say something like that again. Well, Reverend James is gonna come out soon. I already got the suit on. You know, <laughs> um, but I think for, for, for kids, um, for young kids, um, ages 7, 8, 9, 10, the most important thing that we can give them is structure and a sense of they just want someone to feel like, they, like we care. Kids just want to know if, if we care about them they, they All have right. the dreams they have the aspirations. so
0: radio Sound family so we we began uh i guess uh, not quite medias rays, right not quite in the middle of the action but um uh, lebron was already speaking but he was saying that he speaks from the heart uh, but he was getting to a point to talk about why he did what he did right what was the what was the the motivating factor behind this and th- the clip is about i think it's about is it 19 minutes long or 11 minutes long? It's 11 minutes long. Right. But he talks about the way he relates to the youth that he is attempting to serve. Right. He says, you know, he comes from a single parent home. Um, he knows about, you know, he knows about uh, about poverty. He knows about um, the, the insecurity that comes with that. Uh, he knows about having the, the, the gaps, you know, in your life, in your support system or that one person in your support, you know, that is your support system, how that one, how important that one person can be uh, and how important it is to have other folks that can that can come in to sort of um, add on. And. Um, but he, he connects, he relates to these young people because, as he says, he was them. So. The whole point of the, you know, this begins with his uh, philanthropic uh, family foundation and the I Promise Network, right, which he helped to kickstart. So this is, of course, this is Akron-based nonprofit. And the whole goal was aimed at boosting achievement for younger students from disadvantaged backgrounds, which he, once again, he relates to himself being one of those young people uh, growing up. Now, I said I was t- want to talk about some of the things that he's doing um, as far as, building on existing praxis, uh, practices that have shown uh success <clears throat> excuse me so but some of the things that he is doing that are um, i guess I, that I should say that are unique uh these are the important things that i want to i want to uh, to kind of highlight so his model or the model that the i promises is using um that have shown success i should say already uh, about uh, schools that feature longer school days, so our promise is going to feature a longer school day, a non-traditional school year, greater access to the school, its facilities, and and its teachers during downtime for students. Now, this is the same concern that that comes up quite often in communities when we look at schools and we see their doors shut after hours at a certain point. You know, everybody has to go home, uh, but there's not a community investment or community partnership where the community has access to use that school, to use the gym, to use the classrooms, uh, and to make it a part of the of, of the community that goes beyond the school year or the school day. Uh, we just talked about this. We've mentioned it before, we'll mention it again. When we talk about violence in inner city uh, communities. The majority of the homicides um, in Chicago just hit the last reporting, you know, we looked at uh, Chicago just hit 304 for the year. Now, if that, that is if there has not been another homicide in the last, what, 18 hours or so since we had that discussion, but Chicago reached 304 for the year. And the majority of those homicides are taking place in the later hours of the day on weekends, and on weekends, right? So what he's doing here, um, he is embracing a formula that is aimed at replicating some of the at-home support children are missing when it comes to schoolwork. Right? So the school is also anchored its curriculum in math and science-based teaching, uh, which is related to the whole uh, STEM, which is related to the to the STEM movement, you know, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. And this is, this is certainly, this is all about preparing. Uh, equipping our students our young people for the jobs that we anticipate that will uh, comprise employment opportunities in the future so um let's look at something else that he's doing so this is okay do we have I think we got some some um, some stats on the classroom sizes you know what that's not really the, the the biggest thing that I want to to go back to i I want to go and point out the most phenomenal thing for me, and that is that each student, in addition to receiving a free tuition, uh, free books, book bag, you know, school supplies, all of that stuff, each graduate receives a, a free college education. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. Now, I know here, right, the whole list. OK, yeah, 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 that's fine. So um Ibrahim even saying I should probably give the whole list. All right. So there is a there's an article SB Nation. Matter of fact, it's, it's, this has been written about quite a bit in a lot of different um, uh, different papers. But uh, I was looking at SB Nation. So I'm just going to. I'm just going to kind of run down this for you. OK, so I promise is a regular public school, not a charter or a voucher receiving private school it says this is the kind of wide reform is rare to see at a traditional neighborhood school Kip, which is one of the um, larger nationwide charters uh, and rocket ship schools have been successful in larger cities across the nation, but typically out- operate outside the purview of their local school boards as charter schools. Several private schools like Milwaukee's St. Marcus Lutheran schools or Philadelphia's uh, Gesu school have instituted reforms like these while enrolling students using publicly funded vouchers or tax credit scholarships. I promise is neither. Right. I repeat that. I promise is neither of those. Right. It's not using publicly funded. um, It's not a charter school. It's not it's not outside the, the the public school system. So as far as Akron. Uh, akron's records are concerned it's another neighborhood public school and this shows exactly how badly james wanted his school to be a no exceptions public school says i promise could have helped students as a charter school with less local oversight and still served this community it could have been a private school that enrolled akron's underserved students at no cost to them through the state's low-income voucher program in either case the school would have operated as a separate entity from the school system in which James grew up. But instead, I promise, is a full-fledged part of Akron Public Schools, the 29th elementary school in the district. This helps keep the institution inclusive to its local school student body. Now, um, there are questions about funding. Now, per uh, the state of Ohio, Akron schools were given just $10,028 in state and local funds per student in 2016, more than the statewide average, but still a relatively low figure for a city of little under 200000 So that's not a lot of money. That's not a lot of money to operate a school uh, with such grand aspirations, and this is where the LeBron James Family Foundation comes in. Uh, his nonprofit is the leader of a group of more than 120 donors, volunteers, and sponsors, which he shouted out, uh... throughout the uh... throughout his opening remarks for the school and they're working to find the resources needed to keep exceptional educators on staff through a more demanding teaching schedule now we often hear that uh... education or test preparation or, or i shouldn't say test preparation but uh... students performance on test that is being laid at the feet of the teachers of the educators now there's a there's there's a there's a problem with that because because quite often um, teachers are being judged in in circumstances where they have overcrowded uh, they have you know there's you know 28 30 32 students uh, and then the the teacher uh, uh, him or herself without a paraprofessional with, without uh, educational uh, support and. If we're talking inner-city uh, schools, quite often we are looking at classroom management, which becomes uh, a major, a major portion of the students interact, the teachers' interaction with the students. Anyway, so we're not talking. We want, we want a more demanding and more dirigor- uh, more rigorous, um, uh, effort, um, educational effort from our, our educators and our students. But we gotta also make sure that we are keeping that, that argument uh, or that conversation and context of the the realities that many inner city educators find themselves in, um, where they're asked to do you know perform miracles, uh, perform miracles and and to basically make something out of nothing. So that's not that's not where they are right now. So going back to I promise. So they've worked with Akron's local school. Uh, local teachers union to create a plan with which the coalition of teachers could agree a quick look at the benefits available to those staffers shows the steps James and his cohort are making to attract and retain quality educators Uh, and you can look at all of those uh, steps uh, everything that's involved with that Um, yeah we should post this I'm going to post this on our on our on our Facebook page I always say that I'm not going to forget I'm going to post this on our page so uh, and let me finish here. So it says to truly provide emotional and psychological services, which is which is tremendously important uh, in these communities, because the community, uh, the school system in Akron, uh, the 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 demographic, those students there, those students could be swapped out for students in, in, in Brooklyn. They could be swapped out for students in L.A. They could be swapped out for students in Chicago or Detroit or any any other Um, uh, urban hub throughout the nation, right? But it says to provide emotional and psychological services for at-risk children and their families requires well-trained and and supported teachers. So the I Promise School gives teachers access to psychological services. Every Wednesday afternoon will be reserved for career development. James even hired a personal trainer to work with teachers who want a guided workout. Now, why is that important? It's important, number one, because teachers, educators—if you know any, if you are one, if you've lived with one, right? If you—if your parents were educators, or your spouse is an educator, uh, particularly those who've lived with them, then you know they bring work home with them. And those who are, who are, uh, in the classroom—it's—it really is a calling. And quite often, what you find is—is—is is, is you will see. These women and men who are giving, who are reaching into their own pockets to make sure that their students have things. Uh, And sometimes, well, oftentimes what happens is these women and men, they give and they give and they give. And they forget about the vital, the vital aspect of self-care. Self-care. And this is tremendously important because. Folks get burnt out and when you get burnt out, then you become, you lose that, that drive, you lose that enthusiasm. So that he is providing personal trainers to allow uh, educators to take a moment and invest back in themselves to, for them to, to see themselves outside of the classroom. That's, that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous, um, uh, that's tremendous leadership. So all their schools, I'm sorry, all their supplies are also provided by the school. Right. All of their supplies. His goal initially was to help those underserved from a lower economic um, base. Was to give them the tools that they need. So that they can be successful. Now, what we didn't play in the video in the clip is he made a comment. And he says, children have the ability, I'm paraphrasing him, he said, the children have the ability to do you know, anything, right? They have the ability, if they're given the tools, he said, but the most important thing that they want, the one thing that they want to see more than, than anything is they want to see that someone cares, that someone believes in them, someone is, is, is willing um, to show, to show that they care. And that's what this is. And the reason that we're talking about this is not just because people are, you know, are getting free college education or because they've got longer school hours or because they're working to attract and retain quality, high caliber educators. Or because it's still within the public school system It's really it's not that right. Those are all great things, all tremendously commendable things. The thing that is worth talking about. Is the ripple effect. And that's what I'm waiting to see, the ripple effect. And what do I mean if, if I need to spell this out? What is going what is going to be the response from every other NBA, Major League Baseball player, NFL player, NHL player? Right. Yeah. And I know the NHL is is majority white, but that's 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 not the point. Right. Because it's it's poor white people out here. Right. They're underserved communities where those communities, they happen to be majority white. So it, it doesn't matter. It's not about it's not just on a particular ethnicity. The ripple effect that I'm looking for is. What are these other people who are in similar positions going to do when it comes to reaching back and taking ownership, forming partnerships with their um, with their educational systems, wherever they come from, with their school boards, what are they going to do as far as reaching out into the corporate relationships that they have? Because everybody has everybody is advertising something. Everybody has a sponsor. Are they going to bring those forces, those relationships to bear In the communities that they come from? Are they going to provide the same type of access and opportunity to start transforming young lives and transforming communities? Are they going to give back in the same way? So that's what I'm looking for. I'm excited about it, not just for the 200 students that LeBron is working with, because we know that those 200, you know, inshallah, God willing, those 200 can reach back and help you know, 2000 and that 2000, I mean, it, it's exponential. But we also know LeBron is not the only one. But this is a leadership move. This is a leadership move. And as people um kind of prance around, they want to show who's got the Bugatti or the, the Lamborghini, Ferrari or whatever it is. Right. All these material things. Yeah. The, the trinkets are nice. Right. I mean, and, and hey, you worked. You should, you should be able to get the things that you want. But the competition that I want to see, the competition that's going to matter, that's going to help to transform uh, these depressed communities is a competition of investment. And I think LeBron, has he has thrown down the gauntlet. And I'm excited to see, I'm waiting to see who else is going to follow up, who is going to try to raise the bar. And I tell you, you got your work cut out for you you have your work cut out for you but i want to see it happen i hope it happens and because this this really is an opportunity for a a societal transformation and a shift in the way people see uh the way they use the way they use their material resources so it's 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 a big thing so for me lebron he's he's well on his way to being the goat He's definitely to me. He's the goat outside of the ring. I mean, outside, off the court already, right? And he's and he's still working, still moving. Um, On the court, if we just count championships, right? I think that's kind of shallow. If we just count championships, we got to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Right. We got to talk about Bill Russell. Um, Mike, Mike actually might have to fall back a little bit if we if we're talking about championships and longevity. So anyway. That's that. Um, big ups. Uh, much respect to LeBron and to all those, uh, his partners, all those who are working to serve uh, the, the students uh, in Akron. Uh, we pray that, you know, pray a lot, uh, protects and, and blesses his efforts um, and, and, and blesses those students that are beneficiaries to give back. All right. To, to, to make that even even bigger, even larger. And we pray. I'm waiting to see what Kevin Durant's going to do. That's right, that's right. Start calling people out, uh, and all of these other folks. <laughs> what are you going? What you going to do? What you going to do? All right. So look, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, where are you eating at this weekend? Oh, I'll tell you where I'm eating at. I'll tell you why I ate it earlier. <laughs> this is Radio Slime, WCV 1450 AM. We'll be back in a minute.
2: Copying me, copying me. Mom, tell her to stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop talking me.
1: Kids will spend 10 minutes copying everything their sibling says. You're
2: such a You're doofus. You're such
1: a doofus. How about 2 minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for 2 minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun 2 minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2 2 xorg 2 minutes twice a day. They have the time. Mom. Mom, a message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad
0: Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take this time to breathe deeply and close your eyes. Right now, you're completely in control. Unlike the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you tried removing those raccoons from the basement. Concentrate on the soothing sound of my voice. Release the memory of when you wrestled with that beehive In your son's treehouse, let go of the time you thought that skunk was a cat. Or when you pulled into the garage with your son's bike on top of the car. Deep breaths. Deep breaths.
2: You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids in the
3: Ad Council.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Al-Amin. And because we're in the, the final minutes, I'm going to keep this short. Social media, subscribe to the podcast at Radio Islam USA. <laughs> at Radio Islam USA. I'm laughing because I have my youngest in studio with me, my youngest, Yamina. And she's making, um, she's making some really hateful faces uh, right now. And I'm going to take pictures of you. I'm going to take pictures and post them of you, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come come over here and grab a mic. Come on over. So, Radio Sound family, I said that I was going to talk to you about um, where you're eating at this weekend, right? And maybe to tell you where you should be eating. And, and I'll tell you right now, this is not a, a paid spot or anything like that. This is... Um, this is a part of the history, right? And I know that the Radio Islam family is comprised of Muslims and non-Muslims, right? People of faith, people of no faith, people of different faiths, you know. But the point is, when it comes to talking about Chicago's food history, we can't not talk about docks, docs fish. We can't not. Can't, we cannot talk not talk about it. Now, if you don't know about Docs, Dox uh, was actually the, was started by uh, Eugene Kahar. I think it was back in like 73 or 78 or something like that, right? Uh, he eventually wound up sold, uh, selling it to uh, a businessman named, uh, I think his last name is Deberry. Um, but they went through some ups and downs. And, but he, he did something with that whiting fish, the breading on it. The fish which, the fish witch. the fish witch with with cheese, right? That's you so if you, if you are like lactose intolerant, you know, I, I feel bad for you. Take a take some lactate or whatever it is you need to take. But the fish witch is something that you want to have. It is it is a legend. And docks. There's one location over on like uh, in the Chatham neighborhood, 87th. But there is a new location. For all those out in the Southland that is now open. And I wish I could give you the exact address, but it's on it's Country Club Hills on 167th Street. Um, but they're open. And what did I have today? Yemina, what did you have today? Ducks. What did what, 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 you eat, though? The
2: fish witch.
0: The fish witch. And was it delicious? That's a leading yeah, question. Yeah, that I was really good. Yeah, see, I didn't give you an, an opportunity to say anything other than, yes, it was delicious.
2: Mm.
0: Yes, but it was delicious, right? Yep. Yeah. Do you want to go back?
2: Yeah, I want to get the milkshake.
0: No, no, don't say milkshake.
2: I want to get the milkshake. Okay,
0: so there's some history that we have to talk about in terms of if you've never had Ibrahim, have you heard of Omar Juice? <laughs> okay, so brother named Henry Omar, Omar Juice on the Nile, right? If this was distributed around the country, so we're going back to the um, back to the, the the beginnings with the nation of Islam. And that network of businesses that that came up out of that. Um, but Omar juice was in Doc's fish. It was in I think it was in the steak and takes on the East Coast. Um, but it's this wonderful fruit juice that you would always you find that at Doc's and you find the Doc Berry Shake. That's what next week they're going to oh. have the Doc Berry Shake. Yes, yeah, a lot of it's, it's, it's some history. It's a, and it's delicious, it's delicious history. So, anyway, um, that's one of the spots that I'm going to be going back to maybe tonight. I had a fish, which before I got here, yeah, I know, it makes me look, yeah, tonight, yeah, it makes makes me look thirsty, right? I'm
2: there with you,
0: yes, you're coming. Speaking to the microphone, and you know what, you didn't do you didn't say assalamu to the real family, assalamu Hmm. Mm. I like this one. Wait, So, you need headphones. What? You waited kind of late. We only got a few minutes left. Um, okay, give it here. We're gonna we're gonna plug Yamina in so she can she can hear herself. Um, now, the other thing that we want to talk about is oh, there will be bean pie. So the grand opening is next Thursday. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout them out again. Maybe the day before. All right, So those who are in the South Atlanta, those who want to take that ride, because I have driven from the south side all the way out to Des Plaines so, so I could get halal pepperoni pizza. I've done it. I've, we've, you know, we've taken that 50-minute drive each way. So there may be some folks out in on the north side, right, Mount Prospect, Des Plaines, Niles, whatever, and you want to drive out to the south side. South um South Suburbs. It's right off the uh, fifty seven. And get you a dox. Get you some docks, Get you that dockberry shake. Get you some bean pie. And and get you a fish witch. All right. Enough of that. We wanna start salivating. Um now the, the last thing that we wanna uh we wanna get into. We know that uh when when is it coming? Little will Okay, so the, the Hajj, the Hajj is is is, is coming, right, right, Dhu Hijjah. right. So the Hajj is coming, and we we've got some folks, I'm sure from from many different, um, uh, that come from many different uh, uh, Masajit around the country, and around the world that are preparing for this. But we're just gonna we're gonna keep it local. So I know, uh, in particular, we've we've got some folks who are who are making their preparations to leave. Um, I want to give a uh, a quick shout out to uh, one of the one of the, the the mothers of the masjid who, you know, of course, who I had to speak with, um, Sister Patricia Alameen, not Elameen, but Patricia Alameen, um who is making her preparations and to her and all those who are making preparations uh, have made their intentions, have made um, who have gotten themselves ready for this. The sacred uh, journey. We pray for their uh, for their safe journey. We pray that uh, that that Allah is with them, uh, that He uh, expiates uh, their their sins, uh, purifies them, uh, gives them peace, and brings them back. brings brings them back to uh, whatever their their locations, whatever their their homes are, um, you know, safely. So we are thinking about them. Uh, we ask for you to pray for them. Uh, if, and you might be them. So if you are them, we are praying for you. All right. Looks like we have uh, come to the end. Got anything you want to add? No? Okay. All right. It's been a quick one. Um, we thank you for tuning in. We look forward to Monday, our next live show. Uh, well, we'll be here. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> but everybody have a great weekend. Uh, we want to thank our engineers over at WCEV. Leonard, thank you very much, sir, for making sure we come through loud and clear. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I am your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, good people, be safe, be productive, be purposeful. We're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.